fucking am. Uh, I couldn't jack off. That didn't work for me. Like, tugging on my dick didn't work. Uh, what worked was, like, I would take this nice, soft blanket I have, and I'd grab the base of my cock, and I would flip the tip against the blanket back and forth, you know. And uh, that, that worked really well. But there's only so much friction the tip of your dick can take, especially when you're uncircumcised without creating some massive sores, you know. So, like, I could at best masturbate, like, three times a day, and then I'd have to take a fucking day off because I have, like, open wounds on my cock. <laughs> and this was the exact same time I was going to, like, sex ed in, like, you know, freshman year of high school. And they were showing pictures of genitals with, like, fucking herpes, warts, and all this shit. And it didn't look too dissimilar from the open wounds I had on my dick for my masturbatory practices. And I honestly, at one point, remember thinking, did my blanket give me herpes? When you're hanging with the girl and she's looking nice, you think you'll want to smooch her face. But what is the price? AIDS, herpes, gonorrhea, scabies, and crabs. Think you want them down your pants? No, you raging now this shit has really hit and i feel like james dean but don't let that distract from all these violent stds hpv hiv spooky vaginosis sinning with your naked bod is evil and atrocious time is a construct we all follow nothing is real no one is here we all die why do we cry i once a man I can't feel my hands. I can't, I can't feel my hands. Please. AIDS, herpes, gonorrhea, scabies, and crabs. Think you want them down your pants? No, you raging HPV, HIV, spooky vaginosis. Sitting with your naked bod is evil and atrocious. Hey y'all, quick intro, not to like take too long. Uh, today I have a guest that is a good friend of mine that I met in Vienna. He actually lives in Bratislava. We did a lot of shows together when I lived there. Uh, very funny guy. Alan Henderson, American that has been living in Europe for a long time. We did about half an hour of this podcast and my internet went out and the fucking thing didn't record. So we reconnected and we talked for another hour or so. So we're going to li- hear, listen here. Is the second uh, part of our conversation, which uh, fortunately we lost the first part where we talked mostly about the coronavirus situation in Bratislava. They've been locked down for two weeks now, and uh, it's getting getting scary over there. As it is over here, we got locked down today in Jersey, so we'll see what happens. But a uh, good time talking to my buddy Alan. He's been uh, doing comedy for about three years. He's been headlining shows all across Europe for the last... Uh, two or so uh, he organized a show for a couple of shows for Louis CK in Bratislava recently he's uh, all over Vienna, Bratislava, Prague Budapest, Ireland everywhere, the guy is hustling a lot and uh, I really enjoyed talking to him, I hadn't really talked to him uh, in any sort of length since I left Vienna uh, when was that, July of last year so it was a good hang uh, hopefully we can do this again Soon, uh, today I barely didn't even look outside. It was a, a slow, slow day here in coronavirus land, New Jersey. Uh, just cooked some, some food and, and watched some Netflix. 
I used, at first I was like, man, this staying at home shit is fucking awesome. But if now I'm kind of like, oh, man, I gotta, I gotta hang out with some people. But unfortunately, that looks like it's not gonna happen for a minute or two. So uh, hopefully these uh, Skype conversations I'm having are somewhat filled the void of hanging out with actual humans. Uh, I have another one scheduled for tomorrow with my good buddy Paul Jacobs in Vienna. Hopefully that works out, and I'll post that as soon as I record it. Uh, but that's it, and that's that, cocksuckers. Um, yeah, uh, that's it. I'm, I I went to the liquor store yesterday before it closed down, and I bought a, a, a 1.75 liter, 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 I fucking can't speak English today. I bought a big jug of Jack Daniels Gentleman's Jack, and... And I bought some some beer and I bought some some wine, and I'm I'm all set. I'm all set. Let's see what happens. Uh, fuck, I'm I'm I wish this shit would blow over, but I, I I'm not very optimistic at this point. I think it's gonna it's gonna mess up our lives for a while, uh, at least for a couple months. I think, and that's unfortunate because I wish, man, I wish we would find a fucking solution to the problem, but there is none. I don't think, and. So what can we do? Just stay inside and avoid spreading this shit. And that's it. Um, thank you guys for listening, if you are, uh, all, all 12 of you. And I and, uh, hope you enjoy the podcast. Stay home, stay safe, have fun. Talk to me if you want to talk to me. I'm open to talk to anybody about anything. Was that a creepy whisper? Man, I got a fucking get on the stage and i'm not doing any of these online open mics okay i fucking refuse that's fucking weird maybe in a week i'll change my mind but for now i'm sticking with the podcast and and watching youtube and netflix okay so you guys you guys stay safe have a good day have a good weekend who gives a shit if it's a weekend or not it's just all the same now right <laughs> but anyways have fun i hope you make the, the most out of this weird time I really do. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully get through this. I, I believe in, in humans. Not really. All right, guys. Enjoy the episode. Bye-bye.
Sleep with a guitar in my hand. I dreamed about the ghosts of Mississippi, and the blues came walking like a man. Oh, love, why have you forsaken me? Got me down in Mississippi, where I don't wanna be. Forsaken me, got me down in Mississippi, where I don't wanna be. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, sorry about that. I know that was really shitty of you. I was slowing. Yeah. I was being funny, and your stupid shit internet connection cuts out. Yeah, I expect so, better from an amateur podcast. All right. So let me ask you this: uh, Name the top five worst comedians <laughs> in Central Europe. How many times can I say Paul? Four. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, man. That's a joke. You need, um, you need diversity too, so. Do any of them listen to your podcast? I don't know. 
There's this white guy who thinks he's black. I hate. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. No, no, he's, he's very good comic. Um, I don't know worse, man. Uh, you know, I don't want to name names because that shit will get out there. But, you know, the, uh, ones, the ones that you, you see at an open mic and go, God damn it. Um, you know, the problem here is there's a lot of people who they started when I started or they were like doing well when I started and then they just stopped progressing. And now you see them like years later and they're just not good at all. They're relying on the shit that worked for them, you know, two or three years ago. They're not enthusiastic about it anymore. It just shows all the time. Like, that's one of the reasons I respected you when you were over here is even though you were starting out. You were working like a comic, you know, you were hitting every open mic you could, you were working on your material, I saw it change week to week. Like, I I can respect somebody who does the work and improves. Uh, you have a lot I, of guys here not doing that, though. Yeah. Uh, you want to name names? <laughs> I'm <laughs> um, I won't say worst comics, I'll say worst things I've seen. So, uh... I see there was one night, this one guy here, he was uh, promoting a late night comedy show, which this is not really this in Bratislava for your American listeners. It's a tiny little town. Not many people speak English. Uh, it's not a great, like, it's hard enough to have like one decent headline show a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so he decided to do a late night comedy show a day after we had a headliner. He did it at 11 o'clock at night in a secret bar called enigma like when i say secret bar i mean i knew where it was and i didn't know how to get into it like (laughs) uh you know there's no signs or anything like i just i was even on the street like i can't even see where there's a fucking bar and then boom there was a door uh didn't publish it on facebook Mm, so Uh, it's really secret (laughs) really fucking secret i thought this would be a great idea so the show was meant to start at 11. I think we finally decided to go ahead at like 11.50. There were five people in the audience. Oh, um, boy. Two of which who didn't speak uh, English. <laughs> the other three who had no idea there was a comedy show but thought, fuck it, we'll give it a go. <laughs> um, Oscar Brophy opened. Uh, died, it just died on his hole. Oh, no, 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 sorry. Mitch Leffler. Mitch Leffler opened. And uh, he was hosting, and he used one of those beautiful comedy lines of, does anyone even care that I'm here? <laughs> and no. uh, nobody did. Like, absolutely no one cared. Uh, and I was laughing hysterically, because it, when you've done this long enough, you've bombed so many times, and you've seen so many people bomb. Once you learn to get over that, once you learn how to handle it, and once it, you know, happens less and less, you start to see the funny side of it. Oh, yeah. You know? This so is the funniest thing is, yeah, the funniest thing is seeing a, your your friend do a joke that he knows works, and then that bombs. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh. Like My the, favorite thing is when like people will come to me before a show and be like, hey, man, I'm working on this new bit. What do you think of this? And they'll say it to me. And if it's like, if it's even remotely not good... I'll always be like, you should open with that. <laughs> like, that's really good. You should open with that. And I'll just sit at the side and watch as they beautifully fail. And they always hate me for it, but like, fuck it, you know? That's, that's a good way to learn. Yeah. 
So, all right. Uh, yes. I guess uh, let me just. I should have done this a while back, but uh, so just so people know, you're you're American. You've been living in Europe for how long? Uh, six. Oh, 17 years. Oh shit! And most of yeah. it in in Budapest or no? Half Hungary, half uh, Slovakia. So half Budapest, half Bratislava. So I see you picked the best places to live at. <laughs> yeah, Budapest, you know, Budapest wasn't great. Bud- well, it is now. I moved there in 2003 when it was still like, you know, Eastern fucking Europe. It was, you know, just slobs eating potatoes and wearing black leather jackets. Um, or, or, Adi- or Adidas tracksuits. Mm, no, they couldn't afford Adidas. Like, come on. This is- <laughs> bootleg, <laughs> bootleg Adidas tracksuits. <laughs> yeah, they, they had the, 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 the two-stripe. You know, jackets <laughs> would just white out making the third sign. <laughs> the, know, the, the, D, the, the, the DIY Adidas tracksuit. Yep. <laughs> Go by like a bakery window and see a cake with an Adidas logo on top of it. You know, it was those kind of days. Right. Uh, and th- yeah, so man, you, so I've been here for a long time. And then you lived there for, and then you moved to Bratislava when? First in 2008, I was here for a few years, I was back in Budapest for three, and then I moved back to Bratislava like three or four years ago. Okay, and you've been doing comedy for like three, right? Yeah, man, I think April will be three. All right. No, like... actually, March. Actually, I think, wait, what's what's the date? Today is the 21st. I think my, my three-year anniversary is March 24th. Oh, so you're going to be celebrating watching Tom Segura. <laughs> <laughs> man i used to like tom segura he was all right then he started to work too hard <laughs> uh, we'll see his special comes out tuesday so of course it does why wouldn't you release a new one every eight months with the same ideas said a different way he's like the taco bell of comedy it's the same five ingredients yeah but anyway this all is right. a this is a, a non-Tom Segura criticizing podcast, so we don't do that here. <laughs> I like but, the uh, first two specials very much. Uh, oh, yeah. That first two specials really loved. Bites! Yeah, his first one, uh, like, I had no idea who he was. I was just starting to, like, become a, co- a fan of comedy, and I found it on Netflix, and I was like, holy fuck, this is... Who the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess... I have a weird relationship to the Netflix comics in that, especially like having been in Edinburgh, I've seen shit that's so unbelievably good, so fucking funny, and it's not famous and probably never will be famous. And then when I see like what gets a Netflix special, it's upsetting to me because I know there's so much stuff out there that's empirically so much better. But because these guys aren't famous, they're not going to be famous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I I think Segura was like the first one that really popped up like became famous from netflix i think yeah uh, i think like ali wong was another one and there might be a couple ali, other ones well ali wong was already famous in her own right uh in that she was a show writer and things like that but ali wong i have yeah but she had time for i think she's one of the greatest comics on the planet but she went from like maybe selling clubs to selling out multiple nights at multiple theaters you know after her yeah, netflix but- thing I, the thing is, I think with Tom Segura, his first special, it's very, very, very good, but it's not groundbreaking in any way. Uh, and I don't mean that as a criticism. Comedy doesn't have to be groundbreaking. Uh, it's just a, a dude being funny, you know, whereas Ali Wong, I thought was I, it was just phenomenal. It was something we hadn't seen uh, in terms of how she delivered, how measured she was. 
you know, I feel like a lot of female comedians felt the need to overwhelm you with words, where she's so much more deliberate and slow and measured. She really performs the fuck out of all. I just think she's brilliant in every way. Um, so I don't think she got special famous because of Netflix. I think people just saw her and realized she's brilliant. Yeah. And then, but yeah, I agree that lately there's been a lot of people that definitely didn't deserve to be there, and they're just. I mean, they became like. Uh, I don't know if there's an equivalent, but like they're just putting up famous people just because they're famous mostly. Fucking... Well, yeah, I just I tried to watch Mark Maron's latest special, and I I'm a Mark Maron fan. Um, I, he's never been the type of guy I laugh at a lot, but I love listening to him. And I think he's very, very, very clever. But the last special, like, I just, yeah, there's nothing that made me want to listen to the next joke. You know, I was just like, I, I really struggled. It, it's such a sad thing. And again, I feel like comedians feel the need to be relevant, especially the famous ones. They feel the need to be relevant, they feel the need to be published. But just because you feel the need to doesn't mean it's worth publishing. Yeah, did you see the Pete Davidson one? Mm-mm. Oh, it was fucking horrible, dude. Yeah, I I, I, I can tell. <laughs> I fucking <laughs> Seth Meyers got a special. Like he doesn't even do stand up anymore. Like what the yeah. fuck? These are people who are trading off their names, and like this is what a lot of people who don't work in comedy don't understand. There's so many better comics out there than what you see on Netflix. Like, oh this yeah. Is why you you got to support live comedy? Like I know. A couple comedians in America right now who are not famous, who are just above and beyond this world in terms of funny. Uh, but because they don't have a big, you know, following, they're not getting a Netflix special, and nobody's gonna know about them. Yeah. So, but even like fucking David Tell should be the most. If it was based on being funny, David Tell should be as as famous as anyone. But you know, he he does well, but he's not, you know, doing as well as he should be. Daniel Tosh. No, uh, David Tell. Oh, David Tell. Oh, D- well, David Tell's a god. Um, yeah, but I'm saying he he does clubs, but if it was based on being funny, he should be doing arenas, you know. Yeah, uh, but he, he's got the type of comedy that is never going to appeal to the masses. You know, it's it's clever, it's cynical, it's shitty. He's the quintessential New York comic, and that's not what you need to be appealing across America. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, whereas you look at, like, I think the second highest grossing American comic is Russell Peters. Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on. I mean, he's, I, I, I saw him a couple of times. He's really good, but uh, I don't think he's second best, <laughs> if that's the measure you want to go on. Well, you know, the, the measure I judge comedy by, and uh, there's a couple, let's say, variables here, but uh, you have to be funny. But the comics I love are the ones that I want to hear the next thing they have to say. Like, I'm so caught up in who they are and what they're talking about. I just can't wait for the next joke. And I know comics who are very funny. They've got great jokes and everything, and I will laugh. But I'm not sitting there going, oh, I can't wait to hear the next thing. You know, I'm just like, oh, that was good. That was good. That was good. The real great comics are the ones I just, for an hour, I'm just waiting for the next bit, you know. And yeah. that's how I feel with Dave Attell. Like, I'm just so interested in him. You know, I'm interested in what he has to say. No matter what. Even you look at a guy like Chappelle. When he releases Netflix specials, his first two were properly road-tested uh, uh, specials, you know. And then the last two were just him kind of talking. And I didn't mind that at all just because I want to hear what the guy has to say. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, hey, speaking of that... Uh... Tell me about the Louis thing. That was pretty cool. You you got to open for him, right? No. 
thought, was, it, I thought in Switzerland you did, or no? No, no, no. In Switzerland, no. Uh, Switzerland, I wasn't even involved in the organization. I was working with the tour manager and the overall promotion group. But I just went to the shows in Switzerland to understand how they run and make sure my shows had no hiccups. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, if you want to be very open and open about it, uh, Louis' show is so funny. Like he, he's back to classic Louis, you know, jeans, black T-shirt, awful jokes. I, I saw uh, him two weeks ago here. Yeah, how was it? It was really good. I mean, he's not my favorite type of comedy just because he goes on like these uh, hypotheticals. You know, he, he'll he'll put a premise and it was like, I'm not saying this other thing, and then he'll go into that and that's that side of the road. And then he comes back to his original premise, kind of. Uh, I just, it's not my favorite type, but it was, it was still really good. It was definitely good. I wish okay, he would well, talk. I wish he would I'm, would have talked about the, uh, the Me Too thing a little bit more, though. But. Did he? So he addresses it. Did you see him do an hour? Yeah, he talked for for like for two three minutes about it, but. Uh, he addresses it a little longer when I saw him, but maybe, like the feeling I got from the shows he did was he's about seventy percent done with that hour. Because uh, I saw him four times, and he chopped and changed and moved things around, and for the most part, it's done and polished. There is a couple moments, but there's still like 30% where I'm like, he's not done. Uh, I was supposed to open in, uh, in Bratislava, uh, mm-hmm. the first show, because we had two shows. We didn't have much time between the first show and the second show. And so there was no chance I could open the second show because of when we had to be out of the venue. Uh, he had three openers already, but I was going to do five minutes. And as he was coming to the venue, the taxi dropped him off in the wrong spot. So we're supposed to start at 630. At 630, he's not there. I'm you know, talking to his assistant. She calls him. Uh, I figure out. Like, I even realized that he was in the wrong spot because I was standing outside the artist's entrance at the venue and I see this uh, black Mercedes van drive past me and there's a black guy in the front seat and one of his openers is a black guy and I was like, ah, fuck, I bet that's them. The so black guy out. in Slovakia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the one. <laughs> Not hard to notice. <laughs> so I have to go running after them. I finally, While I'm running, I stub my toe on a fucking... I broke my toe that day that fucking sucked like i'm running to try to find where they are i'm on the phone with his assistant she's trying to describe where they are i break my toe because i hit like the sidewalk was up a little bit i run i kick it i face plant my hands are cut up my toes fucking black i find them and one of his openers had suffered a stroke not long ago oh keith robinson yeah it's keith robinson yeah so uh keith had suffered a stroke which means he's not the most mobile guy and we're in a place where there's no way we can get a taxi from where they are to the venue. You know, it's about a 500 or 700 meter walk, uh, all just pedestrian zone. So we got to walk there. And because of the stroke, he walks very slowly. So the show is meant to start at 6.30. I probably met up with him at 6.38. We didn't even get into the building till 6.50. And at that point, there was no time for me to open. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I lost a big fucking opportunity because of a bad taxi driver. Yeah, I got to kill the taxi driver, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I get Corona, I'm going to find him and cough on him. <laughs> Just uh, game plan number one. I mean, it's going to be when we're having sex. So uh, he's not going to notice. Uh, oh, okay. Because we have built up that kind of relationship since then. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I will say this, like, you know, just being fully open, I was quite disappointed with him. 
uh, on a personal level. Like he was a very nice guy, very courteous, uh, very courteous, uh, very polite. But like in Switzerland, we had a lot of volunteers who were all comics, you know, helping with checking the tickets and everything and, you know, doing a lot of the, the grunt work. And after the show, uh, the organizer was like, hey, can we have a quick meet and greet with the, the volunteers? And they were like, oh, no, we were, we're already going back to the, the hotel. Sorry. And I thought that was a bit shit. Yeah. And then in Bratislava, he agreed to a meet and greet. So I organized uh, some guys uh, like in the Slovak comedy field, a couple other friends for, like from Prague, you know, co- just pure comics. And so we meet up after the show go back and he spent about two minutes you know i introduced everybody and you know he said a a couple words and he's like all right guys uh keep doing comedy is that norm keep doing the comedy uh, stick with it or some shit <laughs> it's, uh, know, or, or quit like you can do that too like, uh, <laughs> you got a lot of options available to you like nobody makes you do this shit uh, so uh even like i turned to him and i was like Thanks for that rousing fucking motivational speech. Like we're all ready to go now. <laughs> he looks at me like, <laughs> he looks at me like, were you just a dick to me? And I was like, hey, anyhow, can I get a quick selfie? And just like, like did and got it before I left. And uh, a buddy of mine, he had the, you've seen the selfie I have with him, yeah? Yeah. A buddy of mine, he like he sent me the picture of Louis's face because he just looks so unenthusiastic and unbemused to be there. <laughs> and uh, my buddy's like. You can see in his face that that's the first moment he finally realized he shouldn't have masturbated in front of all these people. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the moment it hit him. He's like, this is where it's got me, hanging out with this douchebag. And I'm like, you know what? If I helped him realize something, then beautiful. It's a mitzvah on my part. He's like the opposite of Bert Kreischer. Bert, Bert likes to to hang out with everybody, and Louis fucking hates everybody. <laughs> Yeah, look, I can understand maybe what have, what's gotten him to that point. You know, I'm not going to say I don't understand that. But at the same time, you have to understand, like, he made a shit ton of money over here. Maybe, you know, in terms of compared to Madison Square Garden, it's not. But it's still a lot of money that he made. But the reason he's able to make that money in a place like Slovakia is not because of him. It's because, like, you know, one of the guys I brought back for the meet and greet, he started Slovak stand-up comedy 20 years ago. The reason people know Louis and care about Louis is because 20 years ago, some dickheads started stand-up comedy in Slovakia and got people used to the idea and got them coming to comedy shows. And he built up an appreciation of stand-up comedy so that when Netflix came out and, you know, stand-up comedy was not a new concept for people. It was something they're already fully aware of and enjoyed and they, they could explore all the English options. That's why you're able to come to this country and make a shit ton of money. So pay it back by spending 15 minutes with people. Yeah. For you, that means you get back to your five-star hotel. And maybe you're a little bit more tired when you wake up the next day. For everyone else, it's a life-changing moment that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. You know, that, yeah. that's important. For sure, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I understand that comics... I understand that sometimes meeting everybody after the show is a, might be a kind of a pain, but uh, it's, like, so cool if you're if you're a fan and, and you want to just shake their hand and take a picture. So it's so awesome. Well, also, it's like, you know, I think there's a difference between... a meet and greet that a lot of comics do and just the producer of the show inviting back 10 of oh, yeah. 10 yeah you know these are comics that i know they're good guys you know they that's a different thing altogether i think yeah for sure yeah. but we got to eat all the food he left in the green room so that was nice 
<laughs> you know, that, 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 that was a big plus. But man, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Like it was, it was a shit ton of work. I was surprised how much work it is to organize a show like this, you know, very stressful. And now we're super stressed because he's going, uh, the guy I worked with is a Romanian guy. Um, Louis sold out a show in Romania. Um, I think it's March or May 20th. I've got a headline show in a 150 seater May 19th. Uh, so I'm doing the day before I'm headlining a show there. Uh, and the next day I'm just, you know, going to go hang out with Louis crew and all that. Uh, it's a 4,000 seat theater. The show sold out in 11, 000, in 11 hours. It's the fastest sellout in the history of this venue in Romania. The second show sold out in like a, two weeks. So he sold 8,000 tickets in Romania. And now with Corona, we have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. I've, I've seen comics already. Like Andrew Schultz canceled all his shows through the end of May. So I don't know, man. Yeah, but my – so my friend, is he's already paid uh, twenty five grand to the venue. You know, <laughs> what happens if the show is canceled? They're not going to give that money back. So, like, the, the bookers are really fucked in these situations. Yeah. Yeah, I don't – it's – it's messed up, yeah. I mean, probably they'll they'll have no problem moving the date to another time, you know. Like, hopefully it'll all work out in the end. But right now, you know, it's a very stressful time to have invested a lot of money and a lot of time into something that will probably not be able to happen. Yeah. Jim Gaffigan was supposed to do a show in Brazil uh, last week, and it was like it would be like the big, the first time like a big like American comic did a show in Brazil in English, but he he canceled that. Yeah. What a dick. <laughs> he's got like he's just got young kids. They're not going to catch it. Come on, be a hero. Fly down there. If any country will appreciate a joke about a man with four children, it's going to be Brazil. <laughs> no, dude, those are the those are the Mexico shows. Uh, yeah, sorry, I should rephrase. Four living children. <laughs> Jesus. No, but he has five though. So. He's got five. Yeah. What the? F- these Irish people, Jesus Christ! Like the Pope said, you can use condoms. Get on it, Jim. He opened for the Pope here in Philly a while back. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Yeah, he opened for the Pope. <laughs> he talks How about it. I think. One open for the Pope. I think he talked about it on his last Netflix special. Uh, like, apparently, like the Pope was gonna do like a speech here in Philly, and they had Jim Gaffigan come out and do like ten minutes up front. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Like nobody knew what was going on. Nobody expected a comic at a pope thing." <laughs> that is the weird. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I've got some weird comedy stories. That that yeah, they don't compete with that. <laughs> that wow. All right, that's incredible. Did the pope bless him? I don't. I forget if he said if you met him or not. I forget. But uh... see, see, we could have disproved, like you know. Catholics having God's blessing immediately. Like if the Pope had blessed Jim before it and he'd gone out and bombed like, <laughs> all this shit's like, I got his blessing and you cunts don't even like it. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Open it for the fucking Pope. Yeah, this uh... Just wear a condom, Jim. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking a lot about like I think safe sex is gonna change now with the corona stuff, you know. Like, because before we had to use condoms. Now I think the only way to have safe sex is to wear a gimp mask that covers your mouth. Like, you're going to be seeing that, like, being sold in gas station bathrooms. <laughs> right next to the boner like, pills. It's like people with OCD and kinky people, they're the only ones who are going to make it out this thing alive. 
you know, everybody else is fucked. But for <laughs> gimps and for OCD people, like this is a lifetime of validation for them. That's funny. So, so uh, that's like, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, I hope this is way down the road, so I hope it doesn't screw up my plans, but I was, I was uh, starting to plan a little European tour of my own in November. Yeah, man. Come yeah. on over. I uh, talked to a couple people already. I mean, I got some promising lineups, but I don't. I hope this shit, you know, blows over by then. But well, uh, well, I, 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 like, how much time do you have now? Uh, I did twenty-five back in November, and that was like flew by, and I had like a lot more that I could have done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard to get like longer sets here, so it's like a if I get like a ten-minute set, that's like uh you know pretty Success. pretty good yeah but uh so i've done 25 pretty easily uh i th- i think i could probably put together 40 and then if i put crowd work you know get to 50 or so mm. and... look i think if you got 40 minutes that's enough yeah like, i i think there's very few people who have a right to do an hour uh i think an hour of comedy is almost impossible um you can do it I've done it a bunch of times. A lot of people can make an hour, but for the most part, very few people are happy sitting with an empty glass for more than 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, yeah. so if it takes you 20 minutes to drink a beer at the best of times, that gives you 20 more minutes till you want another pint. So I think the ideal comedy set's about 40 minutes. Yeah. So yeah, I think I I think I have about that and or at least that and this is I was uh I'm planning this for November, so by then I'll probably have some more stuff. But yeah, I uh, I was I was thinking of uh, spending a couple of days in Barcelona, then Prague, then go to the Czech, uh, Slovakia kind of, Brno, Bratislava, Budapest, and then hit up a couple of cities in Austria. Yeah, man, I I've been doing some shows in Austria, I, and now I'm doing a show in Wells, which is like 20 minutes outside Linz. Uh, the shows in Austria are going really well. Uh, save for the ban on more than five people gathering in any place. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually I'm just dead dead serious. Like the moment restaurants or pubs open, even if they have the five person ban in Austria, I'm gonna do a four person comedy show. Tickets twenty euros <laughs> each, five euros each. Like I can sell four. <laughs> people are gonna be so desperate to go out that they're gonna want to do it. I, I, I'm interested to see what comedy looks like after this, you know, yeah. like I'm really nervous about the fringe because I have, uh, like, you know how Edinburgh fringe works, right? Uh, kind of a little bit. I mean, I've heard Ari talk about it on his podcast, but so basically the whole city becomes a comedy show. Uh, but it's still very difficult to get a show there. So, uh, for instance, the guys I worked with last year, uh, I couldn't get a show with them this year. Uh, they sent out an email saying they've got 320 slots and they had 1,800 applicants. So it's very tough to get a show. And mm-hmm. I finally I got a show with this company called Just the Tonic. They're one of the better producers at the Fringe. And I got a 6 p.m. slot at uh, in the middle of town. So like the location I have is the most ideal location you can think of, and the 6 p.m. time slot is the best time slot for my type of show, uh, because any earlier and you struggle during the week, 
any later and you're competing like from 7:30 onward you're competing with big boys mm-hmm. you know so to have a center of town slot at six o'clock it's just it's amazing so i couldn't believe i got that and then even better was you know i have to show the worst thing you can say yeah so it's just you know the, the most offensive comedy um there's a there's a venue there called the tron and the tron is like one of the most iconic venues in edinburgh to get this venue costs about 12 or 1300 pounds a week and uh, but i explained the ideas to just the tonic and they were like you know we actually love that idea we have an 11:30 time slot um and they said we we'll just go ahead and give you the room so i don't have to pay any rental fee i just split the tickets with them 50 50 Mm-hmm. And like it's phenomenal. So I'm have like That's the awesome. best Edinburgh. Yeah, like I'm so well set up for Edinburgh. I can't believe it. And now I don't even know if it's gonna fucking happen. So yeah. <laughs> that really sucks. And it's still is you know just to set the shows up with like registration, printing, all this, uh, venue rental. Like it still costs me like two thousand pounds. So yeah. it's a lot of money that I'm gonna be out if it doesn't happen. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, but uh, I think that I I mean I did that. that was- the worst thing you can say show i did that once in vienna and i think that's a good show to do it like late night kind of thing yeah like i would never do uh like an hour of stand-up comedy at 11 30 that's a terrible fucking idea like by that point people are so drunk and they want something route like loud and raucous you know they want to see a drag show or a crazy show <laughs> but so a theme show like the worst thing you can say just you know a bunch of comics doing seven to ten minutes each telling the worst jokes like that'll do very 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 well Dude, I got this new Ikea joke about a boy that died because of Ikea furniture. I think that would go on that show. <laughs> Let me hear the joke. Uh, well, I, st- I started, but, well, now I fucked up already, but I started with the setup that uh, <laughs> I, I go, I went to the world's biggest escape room, so people think it's like a very innocent joke. You know? And I go, uh, it <laughs> took, me, took me three and a half hours to find my way out. Uh, the name of the place was Ikea. And then... Uh, and then I talk about this news article that came out in January about a two-year-old boy in California that went to climb an Ikea dresser his parents had at home. And uh, the dresser tipped over, uh, but it was fine. It was still working, the dresser. The boy died. And, <laughs> and, then, and, and then the joke is, uh, and then the family, the family sued Ikea, and they settled uh, for $46 million. And to give Ikea credit as part of the settlement, they also threw in a casket. <laughs> did they make the family build it themselves yeah that's the tag there which the parents had to <laughs> and then i go you, you, know, you know you win some and you lose some right <laughs> but see that, that that tells you how bad it is without the shows you're writing ikea jokes like you would never, uh, I, wrote a, I wrote a joke about straws yesterday <laughs> you're, you're, straws gus plastic straws, straws? Or the paper straws? Because I've heard about 25,000 of those. <laughs> no, just the joke I wrote was about how, like, straws are, like, I've never seen something that's a bigger sign of how lazy humanity is than the invention of the straw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, we came up with an idea because we were basically like, I really want that drink, but not enough to expend any energy to get it. <laughs> and, like, you still have to work for it. You know, you have to lift it up three inches. you got to bend down three inches. It's that middle six inches nobody really wants to get involved with. And, like, I feel like I bet the straw was invented or, like, the, the straw got mass popularity probably when some dickhead, like, saw Stephen Hawking. You know, like, he was walking down <laughs> the street and he saw this guy wheeling around in a wheelchair sucking out of a juice box. And he nudged his friend. He's like, hey, look at that dude over there. He's like, yeah, what about him? Like, that dude's a fucking genius. 
And she was like, yeah, I know, that's Stephen Hawking. He taught us everything, <laughs> every, everything we ever knew about the universe. He's like, no, the fucking pipe from the juice to his mouth. Fucking genius right there. <laughs> so I like that joke, but then I'm like, straw jokes, really? This is what we're doing, Alan? <laughs> hey, man, I don't, I don't think there's any subject that is too silly. I mean, it's just, if it's funny, it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if it's silly, it's good. But yeah, like that's the worst part. Like having like I, I feel so bad for my friends because they have to hear every stupid joke I come up with. Like I'm ringing them like, hey, what do you think of this joke? They're like, Al, it's the fifth time today you've called me, and I'm like, I know it's my most it's my most productive day ever. <laughs> that's good. We were like the other day. I told you my terrible my terrible joke, and you actually gave me the closer for it, which is even better. Yeah, so uh, if you get a special, you just put my name on the on the on the credits. Mm. That'll be fun. <laughs> You're like, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I'll put you in the credits. Uh, you, you you can be third grip. You'll have to give me a hand job, but uh, you know, I, I see third grip in credits of movies, so I'm I'm assuming it's something. <laughs> the third hand job the guy got. <laughs> Oh, I don't have that much stamina. I'm 36. <laughs> I mean, maybe we're talking on like a pro rate a weekly basis, but you know, in a day, Jesus Christ, I'm not 19 anymore. Oh, you just reminded me of a joke I wanted to do, but I've never, I never tried it. Because uh, uh, there's like a, let me look it up real quick, but there's like an amount of data distorting sperm. Uh, I, you, I think you have told us. Oh, no, I've heard something about it's a uh, 50 terabytes or no 50 gigabytes. Uh... Yes, yeah, 15,000 gigabytes, so like 50, uh, 15 terabytes per yeah. ejac- per ejaculation. And I think my the joke I wanted to do was like, well, maybe the first one, but like by the seventh, you just get like a memory stick or something. I don't know. Have you not told that joke? I feel like I've heard I've heard someone talk about the amount of data and come. Maybe I I talked about it, but didn't do it on stage when I was there. Wow. What's the most you've ever masturbated in a single day? Uh, probably seven. Jesus, that's, that's, a, that's a, How old were you? Uh, 15-ish. Yeah. Man, you remember those glory days? Dude, because it, uh, it was like eighth grade, right? And uh, we moved back from America to... <laughs> it bothers me that you know the grade. No, because we moved. The age is reasonable, but the grade you did no, is strange. Here's here's why. I, I finished eighth grade in America, and we moved back to Brazil for two years, and so to go back to the same class I was with with my my friends in Brazil, I went back to the eighth grade there. So because oh, like, so you're dumb. No, no, school starts different times of the year there. Listen, so, you're dumb and you're in charge of nuclear devices. I see no nothing that can go wrong here. Yeah, but that's apart from the point. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is uh, I finished eighth grade and then I went back for another semester of eighth grade. So, But I, I had already graduated, so I really didn't have to do anything. So in the afternoons, I'd have the whole afternoon free at, by myself at home with like the internet and shit. And it was, it was productive times. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days, man. You remember that last ejaculation would just be like a Dyson airbrush? Just like... <laughs> yeah. Just like a, like a, a tear? No, no tear was number five. Number seven was just a tuft of air. Like, it was basically, hum- like, it, at best, it was humidifying the room. 
It's like a, a laughter tear. It's not really, it doesn't really fall. It just, <laughs> just kind of crests right on the top. <laughs> oh. I remember I remember once I thought, uh, I, I remember when I was a kid. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I fucking am. Uh, I couldn't jack off. That didn't work for me. Like, tugging on my dick didn't work. Uh, what worked was, like, I would take this nice soft blanket I have, and I'd grab the base of my cock, and I would flip the tip against the blanket back and forth, you know. And uh, that that worked really well. But there's only so much friction the tip of your dick can take, especially when you're uncircumcised without creating some massive sores, you know. So, like, I could at best masturbate, like, three times a day, and then I'd have to take a fucking day off because I have, like, open wounds on my cock. And this was the exact same time I was going to, like, sex ed in, like, you know, freshman year of high school. And they were showing pictures of genitals with, like, fucking herpes, warts, and all this shit. And it didn't look too dissimilar from the open wounds I had on my dick for my masturbatory practices. And I honestly, at one point, remember thinking, did my blanket give me herpes? <laughs> I, was legitimate, I was legitimately concerned by this. Probably. I mean... <laughs> One day in the shower, I figured out the jerking off mechanism. I was like, oh, okay, this is brilliant. I love it. Yo, did you see a Theo Vaughn's uh, tweet yesterday or post? No, nah, I'm not on Twitter, man. I'm an old guy. Uh, let me let me pull it up so I don't mess it up. But it was so funny. Uh, I reposted it. He goes, uh, this pandemic is way worse for, for a man because we lose a dollar for every 79 cents women ba- lose. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is brilliant. I I end up not being able to do the gig because of uh, fucking Roland. What happened? And IBM uh, have a huge service center here, like 5,000 employees. And they got in touch with me and they were like, hey, uh, International Women's Day is coming up and we'd like to do a stand-up comedy show for International Women's Day. Would you like to do it? And I just love how fucking progressive that is. <laughs> That's how beautiful Eastern Europe is. Like, we need someone to talk about Women's Day in a funny manner. Let's get a man. <laughs> so uh, I'm super excited, you know. Like, it's good money, good show and all that. I had to pull out because the day of, um, I'd been with Roland a few days before. He's a comic over here. And he messaged me that day and he's like, hey, a uh, guy who I was in a meeting with has been tested positive for or tested positive for Corona. So, and I'd been with him after that. So I'd been exposed and I was like, I had to call him to like, like, I can't do it. You know, sorry. Um, but man, I had some great, I had some horrible women's day jokes. You know, one of the jokes was about, uh, uh, how like, you know, I am a transgendered woman and, you know, it's quite difficult for me, you know, like the, the women, I, the people I find most discriminatory are lesbians. You know, they are not open minded to fucking a, a transgender woman like myself. Like, <laughs> and I don't know why I, I don't know why they're against it. Now, some of you might look at me and say, Alan, how come you have a beard? How come you're unwilling to fully transition? And it's because very simple. I don't want to make 22 cents less for every dollar I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible joke, but I was really looking forward to saying it. <laughs> Uh, you should you should ask like IBM. Do you guys pay them from the last two? Like, <laughs> I, yeah, that was definitely something I was gonna ask. Like, oh man, like I was not gonna make this pleasant for any of them. Because you know, I I did a corporate gig for IBM two and a half years ago, and uh, this goes down 
you know, after opening for the Pope, this is one of the weirdest uh, comedy stories I think you'll ever hear. So I was quite new to comedy, but there weren't too many good comics uh, in Slovakia at the time. So uh, they asked me if I would do the corporate gig. And the thing is, the corporate gig was arranged with a venue that we performed at. So we didn't know who the client was or anything. We just knew corporate gig three months away. Cool. They asked me if I perform. I say, yeah, sure. Uh, but, you know, as pretty much most comics do, when you start out, you're telling really dark shit. You know, it's not very good, uh, but that's what you start with. So I realized, all right, corporate gig, I got to lighten it up. I got to try some different stuff, you know. So my wife was pregnant at the time. So I start writing a bunch of jokes about my pregnant wife, you know, and they're still very dark. That's all I kind of know how to do, uh, you know, but some jokes about having sex with my pregnant wife and all this. But uh, I think they're good jokes. So that's what I'm, I'm going with. And then a week before the show, uh, we find out who the, the corporate gig is for. It's for IBM, who my wife works for. But, mm. you know, don't bother. <laughs> this, this is a 120-seat venue. Uh, IBM is a company of 5,000 people here in Slovakia. You know, what are the chances? Uh, three days before the show, I find out the, that I'm doing the corporate gig for her department. <laughs> I literally know 70% of the room and 90% of my 15 minutes are about having sex with their pregnant colleague. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I remember the night before my wife made me run through the entire set. She's like, yep. You, okay. You can say that. No, you can't say that. Like I had such an edited set the next day. <laughs> and then it's so weird. Like every joke I'm telling, she's there. Everyone knows her. They know me. They know what I'm talking about. Like every joke they're looking at her like, is that true? <laughs> <laughs> That was uh that was tough as far as gigs go. It actually went relatively well, but she, uh, man, did she keep the job afterwards? Yeah, she kept the job, e- even though I fucking really made fun of her boss, not knowing that that was her boss. You know, I, you know how I am. I pick on people in crowds, and the guy I singled out was the boss of the whole department, who I didn't know. I even remember calling him a transgender hero. Uh... <laughs> Dude. uh... When I was in Vienna, like, I didn't tell anybody at my job other than, like, the other interns. But I didn't tell, like, any of my bosses that I did comedy, right? Yeah. And so uh, after I got, like, after my last day, uh, uh, I was doing that last show. That I think I don't think you, you were there, but uh, I did that last, like, going away show with, like, Roland and Paul and Jack and everybody. And uh, I'm not one of the interns that worked with me uh, told, like, my bosses that I was doing that show. And then, oh. and then the no, it was fine. I mean, I, I didn't care after I left, right? But uh, the day after that show, like it was literally my last night in Vienna. My bosses wanted to take, they wanted to take me out for dinner. And then so it was me, two other interns, and my two bosses. And my boss was like Gustavo, we didn't know you did comedy. Uh, why why didn't you tell? Why didn't you tell us you did comedy? And in my head, I'm like, uh, lady, because I literally call you a cunt in my act. So. <laughs> you have to say did you change the joke up at all or did you actually tell it that way no i didn't say that i was just like ah you know i you know just kept separate from work blah 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 but <laughs> i i had that with one of, with my previous job my my boss wanted to come to my shows and he wanted to take his kids who were like 13 and 11 and i was like Seriously, you can't. He's like, no, it's okay. They speak English. I'm like, yeah, it's not about their English level. 
That's the problem. That's the problem. They speak English. <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I, ha- I had that one day. I, I was when I was at the fringe. Um, a friend of mine, he had a room for the first three weeks, and the last week he had to go back. So uh, last year he gave the room to me for the last week, and the show was called The Irish Comedy Invasion. Uh, but for the last, and it did really well. Like in the, in the UK, when you say Irish comedy, people just kind of show up. So um, the last week, I was the headliner, and there was no Irish comedy, just me. <laughs> I would explain to the audience before the show, like, guys, this actually is an Irish comedy. Um, I mean, you know, my parents were Irish, but they loved me, so they raised me in America. Uh, this is going to be a lot darker, and it's going to be very raunchy. So if you love that, fantastic. Stick around and have a blast. If not, though, it's time time to leave. And I'm like the first day I did that, uh, nobody left, and it was one of the worst bombings of my life. Like it, it was horrendous. Like oh, it was dead, dead, dead silence. They hated every minute of this terrible. For the rest of the run, it went really well. But there was one day, there was this woman. She came in with three kids, and they're sat there. And I make the announcement before the show. I'm like, guys, just you know, not Irish comedy. You know, <laughs> raunchy, rough, tough. Uh, and everybody stayed. And then, like a minute before the show, I go make another announcement. I'm like, guys, just again, I really want to reiterate if, like, dark comedy is not for you, this is not the show you want to be at. Like, you won't have a good time. Feel free to leave. And then the woman's sitting there with her kids. And so I go over to her and I was like, listen, I really, like, I don't want to tell you how to parent, but uh, this is really an adult themed show. Uh, and she said, it's fine. We're German, they don't speak English. <laughs> I'm like one if you're German that's a fucking lie <laughs> but uh, you know fair enough you killed the Jews you can sit through an hour of this so uh, you know the show itself went really well but whenever I would tell you know the darker material literally everyone in the room would turn and look at the kids <laughs> <laughs> and I realized like halfway through I'm the only one who knows they're not getting this <laughs> Everyone else thinks I've just talked about coming in a pregnant woman <laughs> like, <laughs> in front of three formulative minds. Dude, I think I was like two, maybe three months into comedy and I got invited to do a show at a Greek restaurant in Georgia. And it was like start like 6 p.m. on a Saturday and I show up and uh, the whole front table is like a soccer team that just got done playing a game. And went to get, and they went to get dinner and had no idea there was a comedy show about to start. Oh, yeah, so beautiful! It's like all eleven and twelve year olds. <laughs> and you know, I was I was like, I'm not the dirtiest guy, but I you know I cuss a little bit and and I'll say some you know sexual related material and and like when you're three months in, you don't have the the skill set to adjust on the go, you know. Yeah, so I, dude, it was just it was bad. It was really bad. <laughs> I feel like your LinkedIn job application joke would have gone way over their 11-year-old heads. <laughs> I got to bring that What's, one back. I kind of stopped doing that one. That's a great joke. I like that. What's the worst gig you've ever done? I mean, the one that we did on the sidewalk with Tamash was tough. <laughs> oh, that was really bad, wasn't it? Doing rush hour traffic on a Friday. Uh, it was like 5.30 p.m. on a sidewalk, and the audience was like, 10 meters out away from us <laughs> they were literally 30 feet away from us like we were closer to the guy sitting outside mcdonald's 
<laughs> the Asian guy just we staring at us. <laughs> oh, that guy just chewing gum and looking blankly. I got a drive-by heckle. You remember that? Yeah. Like yeah. Someone on the bike path. On a bike, yeah. yeah. Me and said something. I, like, I didn't even have time to respond. I was like, "Fuck, they're already gone." Jesus. <laughs> it was... Then I picked on, I picked on Thomas's boss. I remember that. Like I remember that was the only redeeming part of that show. Like I was doing crowd work. I made fun of a guy. And the the guy who organized it, Tom, actually came up to me while I was on stage. And he's like, dude, that's my boss. Like, can you be cool? I was like, that's your boss? He looks like a cunt. Like, <laughs> look at him wearing cargo shorts. How do you manage something wearing cargo shorts? Like, this guy doesn't look like he can manage sitting on a toilet seat correctly. Like, I was just like, you never should have told me that, Tom. Of course I'm going to go crazy. Yeah, that was a weird one. Uh, I mean, I've done a bunch of, like, it doesn't really count as, as bad because there was no people, but like coffee shops and stuff with literally no one. Like there was once where there was me, oh. the barista, the barista behind the, the 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 counter, and then like one comic on his phone, just look at his phone, and you know it's just halfway through. I go, uh, I, I'm just practicing speaking out loud right now because I don't think I'm getting anything out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I remember. It- the the gig itself was actually pretty good, but it, it definitely shouldn't have been. But the reason it was so bad for me was the amount of travel. I was a, I was it was in Ireland, and I had a gig the next day at like the the western end of Austria. So the flight from Ireland to Bratislava is like seven in the morning. So I had to wake up at like four thirty, go to the airport, you know, fly here at seven, get in town. We take the uh, the bus from Bratislava to Vienna, have to wait around. Oh, actually, bus from the airport to Bratislava, bus from the Bratislava to Vienna, wait in Vienna, take a train to Linz. In Linz, somebody had to pick us up, take us to the venue. So I woke up at like 5 in the morning, uh, get to the venue at 8 o'clock. And they, they've paid the three of us 450 euro for the show and gotten us a really nice hotel. In the middle of nowhere. About 450 Oh, that's not bad. It's not bad. Like, and they got us a really nice hotel in the center of town. Thing is, they didn't sell tickets. There was no posters. They didn't do it online. So we show up at this venue, and literally there's 20 people there, only eight of which knew there was a comedy show. There's no microphone. <laughs> there's a pool table where the, the, the stage should be. And so basically we've got to yell at a room of – People who, for the majority, just want to eat dinner. Uh, it actually went pretty well, but it just that sticks in my mind as one of the gigs I hated the most because I'd been traveling for about 15 hours to get to it and had no fucking audience. <laughs> yes, I, I did one in Barcelona, which it was a shame because it was back to the guild. It was like full room, but it had no concept of uh, listening, you know? <laughs> mm. oh, so it's like... This- this oh sorry go ahead. They had a full bar at the back of the room where people were just going crazy out loud and nobody was making an effort to have people not talk during the show. So, like it was just me talking to a. It, it was like if there was like background like live music, but not, you know how restaurants would have like a guy playing sometimes, but just just like background music. It was like background yeah. comedy kind of. <laughs> um, like look, not to toot my own horn, but uh, horn, ha ha ha, playing in the name of the show. Um. Like, you've seen me with crowds. You know I'm pretty good at getting crowds on side 
and pretty good at getting them listening and having a good time. Like, uh, it's one of the things I'm strong at. Like, I've done this at rock festivals, you know. I'm very good at getting crowds to shut up and listen and have a good time at comedy. I was performing in Prague two months ago. And uh, I had a great set. And this guy came up to me after. He's like, man, that was fantastic. Uh, I have a birthday party in a month. And I would love for you to perform at my birthday party. And I actually have an agent in the Czech Republic. And she was at the show. And I said, well, actually, my agent's right there. Like, if you want to talk with her, and you know, sort it out. Like, yeah, I'm happy to do it. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. So he talks to my agent. And, uh, you know, the money's good and all that. And I'm like, yeah, come up and do a birthday party. So they they had rented this underground uh, bar, like a really cool place and everything. There's about 120 people there. Uh, they announced in the Facebook group, you know, that I was going to be performing. You know, they, they made a big deal out of, you know, excited. You know, and this and like I talked with a friend of mine who runs shows in Vienna or in, in Prague, and she's like, yeah, that guy's in a lot of shows. Uh, he's a cool guy and all. So I mean, I'm super excited. Um, 120 people there literally seven cared that I was doing comedy. The rest just talked and it was so fucking loud. I'm screaming at the microphone, but every time I raise my voice, it has feedback. <laughs> so it, it was 15 minutes of abject torture. Uh, and the thing is like, I know I performed well, but it didn't matter because nobody gave a fuck. The only thing that made me feel better is we did so much cocaine afterwards. Cause there was a, <laughs> There was one other comic on the show, and he had the, you know, he, he had the exact same problem I had. Just, you know, you can't call it a bombing when you perform well, but just nobody cares. It's just yeah. a shit show. You know what I mean? Uh, so they got, he, he went and bought some Coke, and he brought it back after was the it, show. Was it Grant? No, it was a guy named Dave Thompson. I know him, yeah. So, I met him. Yeah, Dave's a good guy. He's a good comic. Australian, so, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, him and this girl, they've got this cocaine, and like, so he goes and does some. He gives some to her, and then I'm like, "Hey, do you got a little baggie for me?" And she hands me a little baggie of wonderful white powder. And so I head into the bathroom. And what was that? White. Ten minutes you, late. you said white powder. What? Yeah, white the uh, white powder. I felt better than other minorities after <laughs> snorting it. Uh, I don't know why that's related, but it but it is. Uh, <laughs> But I remember, like, I remember I came out, like, ten minutes later, the girl's like, hey, do you have that bag for me? I'm like, "Uh, why do you want the bag? And she's like, so I can do more. And I was like, oh, that was a sharing bag. (laughs) And then their next reaction was, how are you alive? I'm like, I don't know. But I do remember for the next 30 minutes, I was really obsessed with talking about koalas. And I think that's all I did. (laughs) Just, uh... I, I did feel bad. I gave them like a hundred euros and like guys just uh, buy more and they did. And so the night descended into madness. Uh, <laughs> but that, that was the only redeeming thing about that terrible gig. Just all the cocaine. Dude, I did a, uh, it wasn't a bad show, but it was crazy in Prague. It was a 420 special show. It was, on, <laughs> it was on the, it was on the, on the, on the sidebar of a youth hostel, not the check-in, another one. Uh, Beautiful. And it was, a. Uh, I get there. It's like it was fucking. It's a hot. Is it called hot boxing when it's like? Or yes. I always confuse hot boxing with Dutch oven. <laughs> uh, 
Dutch oven is only when a Dutch woman uh, farts under the blanket. Anything else, like if a Polish girl farts in your mouth, that's just a hot box. Okay. No, but what is it? What's the one with the weed then? Yeah, no hot boxing. Hot boxing is when they they roll up the windows and they smoke you in. Okay, so it was a hot box in there. Uh, fucking. Do you, you don't... do you smoke? Do you smoke weed? By the way. No, not really. Uh, and, yeah. uh, See, I don't smoke weed either, so that's you know, always tough for me. You know Tori Burden, right? Uh, I'm a Facebook friend, but I don't know her. All right. Anyway, she set up a little stand that was selling space cakes, so they were selling weed brownies. Ooh. And I, I asked, like, when, when did uh, like everyone in there was smoking, and I asked, like, when did uh. When did weed become legal here? And someone takes a, a big drag of their, their blunt and like, oh, it's not. <laughs> but anyway. No, um, sorry, go ahead. And then uh, Christina brought a, a, a jug of uh, mushroom tea. And everyone was sharing oh. that. <laughs> now and that then, I got a lot of time for. <laughs> and then uh, for this, like, dude, this lady with like the most beautiful cleavage i've ever seen walks in and she's just you know walking around bouncing those big tits and uh eventually i see a baby and then she takes a baby i she takes the baby <laughs> to the corner and starts breastfeeding like this all, <laughs> with a bunch of weed smoke everywhere <laughs> did you have a space cake before this happened i did not i i like i only drank a couple of beers i had nothing else but uh, it was it, it got crazy, dude. I went up last of the show. Uh, I closed it, and like people were way too high by the time I went up. <laughs> yeah, that's always bad when they're too high to laugh. It was like, ah, that's a good point. <laughs> and then the next night, Sorry. there was the, the the next night there was an open mic, and Christina brought the leftover mushroom tea, and Grant had, uh, had some of it, and then he threw out he threw up all over the sidewalk outside. <laughs> um. That's uh, that's unfortunate. I can't say anything about Grant because he's seen me in a very unfortunate time. <laughs> we uh, we did a show in Budapest, so you're gonna hear me flush because it's Pete. Um, we did a show in Budapest a few weeks ago, and uh, yeah, there was some unfortunateness happening in that show. So uh, basically he needed to get back to Prague the next day. So we got him a bus ticket like overnight, you know, leaving at like 1130 and getting into town, whatever. And he calls me at like 12. I'm laying in my, in the bed in the Airbnb I got. And he's like, dude, the bus didn't turn up. I'm with six other people. And it turns out the bus did turn up, but like 700 meters away from where they were. So he's like, I missed the fucking bus. And I'm like, all right, man, well, like, here's my address, or here's where I'm at, get a taxi, come over. So he messaged me, he's like, where are you? And I'm like, I don't know, like, I'm where I told you. And we do the sharing maps thing, and he's so fucking far away. I'm like, I don't know where <laughs> you got dropped off, but it's not at all where I told you. So I send him my physical location. I'm like, give that to the taxi driver. Taxi driver takes him again to the wrong spot. So I'm like, you know, just start walking down that road. I'll come meet you. So I leave my house. I leave the Airbnb. I'm walking to find him. Uh, it takes me like 20 minutes to find the guy. He's furious. Like, we're walking back to the flat, and I got a shit so bad. 
Like, so I'm, you know, clenching cheeks. I'm walking everything. And fucking 70 meters before we get to the flat, I'm like, man, I can't hold it anymore. It's <laughs> one o'clock in the morning in the middle of downtown Budapest. And I got to drop trowel, lean against the fence and just fucking squirt black goodness all over the side of a building. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Grass is sitting there laughing at me. And I'm just like, I Wait, did I lose you? Wait, did I lose you? I think we're... I think we're... Are you back? Are you back? We left the, the flat to walk through the train. You know, oh, we I just lost you for the last two minutes or, or 30 seconds or so. Yeah, so the worst part was the next morning we were going to get the train and I had to walk by the, rem- the remnants of the evening before. <laughs> like, this is... I, I, I took a shit on something called Fashion Street, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's a Gucci shop there, there's a Louis Vuitton shop, and then there's just this building with this black stain down the side of it. <laughs> and you see, like, people walking by. Like, it was a glorious mess. You see people walking by looking at it, like, fucking disgusting, and I'm like, oh, fucking <laughs> state of people these days. Well, you imagine that? Knowing full well that was my hot, steamy shit not less than four hours ago. <laughs> so uh, I can't call Grant out for vomiting because I've done much worse in his presence. <laughs> All right, I guess uh, one last story. Then uh, when I was, in, I went to, I think my first trip when I was in Europe, I went to Berlin for a couple of days, and you know, spent a couple of days there. It was fine. It was fun. And I, I come back to Vienna on Sunday night, and I'm, I, I take the subway. I'm walking towards my my apartment. And I was like, oh, that's so cool, man. I got to check off Berlin off my, my list of places I wanted to go. You know, I always wanted to go there. And as I'm, like, coming towards my building, there's, like, a uh, like a taxi uh, stop, you know, where taxi drivers wait for people. And right across the street from it, there's, like, this little bush, and there's, like, this taxi driver taking a shit, like, at, like, 11.30 at night uh, on the bush. And uh, I was like, oh, now I get to cross off Berlin and India at the same time. <laughs> the way it works man all right dude i think uh we have like an hour and a half though so i I don't like to keep these too long so uh appreciate your time if you want to do this again i'm gonna be at home a lot this following couple man anytime anytime i can be your andy richter i can just shit sit and uh make shitty comments (laughs) all right yeah if you want to workshop jokes next time we can try to do that too Let's do it. Hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to edit this thing, or are you just going to re- release it like raw and uncut? Like that dick you sent me the other day. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, that, that dick was uh, uncut. and <laughs> That was intimidatingly large. Like Tom Segura is putting out uh, shirts with that guy's face on it. <laughs> oh, 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 that wasn't a joke? No, I think they're doing... I think apparently the guy is used to be a porn star. He died. And they're going <laughs> to... They're gonna, they're gonna I make sure. That, but that's a really funny segue. Apparently, they're gonna, they're gonna make shirts and they're gonna give some of the money to the to the guy's family. <laughs> I tell you what, man, you get a, a cotton poly blend made by the house of cock. That's impressive. <laughs> that's beautiful. You know what? Rest in peace. Fuck, that's a dick. This world is gonna miss. Dude, they had a casket for the guy, a separate casket for his dick. <laughs> I believe it, man. It's like, you got a four-year-old's cask. 
It was from Ikea. a baby cast. It was from Ikea. <laughs> I can see the funeral director like, we have a baby cast. He's like, no, it's not big enough. <laughs> Four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we, need a, we need an infant. <laughs> we need a casket of somebody who was old enough to play t-ball. <laughs> That's a requirement for that cock. Oh, my God. Yeah, man, it's been really fucking fun. Thank you for having me on, buddy. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I hope uh, soon we can do it in person again. But I uh, appreciate you taking the time, and uh, let's try to do this again soon. Cool. I, I assume this is going to be the thing that launches my career, so thanks for that. Oh, yeah, dude, definitely. I get between you know, 20 and 23 listeners every week. So. Oh, man, that's great. So 23 people are going to get me, let get to hear me say very racist shit at the beginning of this podcast. I'm super excited for that. Yeah, and uh, they're mostly, it's mostly a black audience, so you're going to be fine. All right, I guess that didn't work. No, no, the connection didn't cut out. I'm just scared now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, stay safe out there. Take it easy. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Hey, man, you too. Wash your hands, clean your dick. Uh, I got to start doing that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Bye now. See ya. Bye. I got a crib full of corn and a turning plow, but the ground's too wet for the hopper now. I got a cultivator and a double tree, and a leather line for the haul and gee. Let the thunder roll and the lightning flash, I'm doing all right for country trash. I'm saving up dimes for a rainy day And I got about a dollar laid away The wind's from the south and the fishing's good Got a pot belly stove and a cord of wood Mama turns the leftovers into hash So I'm doing all right for country trash I got a Mackinac and a hunting dog and a cap that I ordered from the catalog a big tall tree that shades a yard a big fat sow for the winter's lard let the thunder roll and the lightning flash I'm doing all right for country trash well there's not much new ground left to plow and crops need fur now my hands don't earn me too much gold for security when I grow old but we'll all be equal when we're under the grass and God's got a heaven for country trash and God's got a heaven for country trash and I'll be doing all right for country trash That's it. That was the episode. Uh, I hope it was all right. I don't know what I'm doing. I want to go outside and see my friends and tell jokes. <laughs> but we can't do that, can we? Not really. So, you guys, take it easy. Bye-bye.